that music can only mean one thing. We are back. College Gridiron, week 13. It's almost hard to believe it's week 13. I feel like we say that every week, but I think this week especially. Last week of the college football season coming up on Saturday, coming at you a slightly earlier edition this week. It's on Monday. It's Thanksgiving break. I am Jimmy Sullivan. Nick DeLuca is in studio. And Matt Costantini is not here, but he's kind enough to join us over the phone. Matt, thank you for doing that. How are you guys doing today? I'm wonderful. Ready to get it rolling. I'm excited. And Matt doing a great job of, of putting in the work. So thanks, Matt. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm back home in beautiful Hamilton, New Jersey, ready to, <laughs> ready to watch some, some, some Thanksgiving football and, and then some college games over the weekend. It's going to be a great time. So thank you guys for joining me. And by the way, heck of a job last week without me. I ran over a sharp object about 10 minutes away from here. Uh, that took what little air was left in my tire out of said tire. So my tires are replaced. We're all good. We're ready to go. I got here just fine. So, guys, thank you a million for that. And speaking of flat tires, Syracuse, Notre oh, Dame. Oh, boy. Uh, Notre Dame won by a lot. 36-3 was the final in that one. Ian Book, after missing last week's game, he comes back. He goes 23-37 for 292, two TDs, and an interception. 36-3 is the final, in case I didn't say it already. Syracuse's offense did next to nothing all day. Notre Dame was dominant, and now they play USC this weekend. They are one game away from the college football playoff. Nick, because you're here, I'll start with you. What was your takeaway from that game? Well, I thought it was interesting, actually, because what Matt and I talked about last week was what might happen, say, if Brandon Wimbush plays. What happens if Notre Dame has to turn to its backup quarterback? The shoe was on the other foot on Saturday. It was Syracuse that actually had to turn to their backup quarterback and a team that is a significant underdog, excuse me, to begin with. When you have to turn to Tommy DeVito after Eric Dungy goes down, you lose 36-3. That's about what happens. Notre Dame did what they wanted all day. They controlled the game. Ian Book was fantastic. Syracuse not really competitive. Would have hoped that they would have showed a little bit more for me on Saturday, but at the end of the day, you have to turn to your backup quarterback, and this is the stuff that happens. And, Matt, I'm sure you are, I think, a little bit jubilant. I know you were kind of nervous coming <laughs> into this game. Syracuse on the fringes of the top ten. Now they won't be, but Notre Dame is going to at least stay at number three this week. I thought they were very impressive uh, all day on Saturday, really. Yeah, I just want to start off by saying you're lucky I'm not in studio this week because I promised you that we were going to get in a fist fight live on air. Oh, that's well, we could still we could still do that over the board <laughs> because of your stance on Notre Dame's uniforms on Saturday, which I think are just absolutely beautiful. Oh boy! I mean, <laughs> really? They look. They look fantastic. Does WFUV have drug testing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Don't, no way. This is why we added you oh, to the yeah. show, Nick. This way. But uh, getting into the actual game, Nick, you put it perfectly. Syracuse didn't really have much to go on. it. They didn't look great offensively when Eric Dungy was in the game. They looked even worse when Tommy DeVito came in the game. Um I'm not sure if that's a testament to what they actually to what Syracuse actually are. I'm sure a lot of people understand that they were overperforming up to this point, but I think you also need to look at Notre Dame's defense and put them up there as one of the best defensive teams in the country because this game was not only about the offense; it was about the defense even more so, in my opinion. 
I would have to agree with that. You look at the total yards. Notre Dame, 463 to 234 for Syracuse. They held that that offense of Syracuse down all day. And, you know, I was thinking about this during that game on Saturday. I started to think, I, I, I honestly believe this Notre Dame team this year, I think it's better than the team that went to the national championship six years ago. I think defensively, oh, I think defensively they're more talented. But this team, I think the difference is that they have the offense this year where Ian Book is balling out every week that he plays, and they're getting those contributions where now – like we said before, their one went away from the college football playoff, and obviously USC stands in their way, and that's almost never an easy game for them except last year because USC came into their place and Notre Dame pretty much kicked them around. I don't anticipate that happening, but if they get a win this week, very hard to see them being left out of the playoff. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it, the message from Brian Kelly to his team this week is simple. You guys go out and handle your business, and you're going to be playing meaningful football not saying that um, another random bowl game isn't meaningful, but you were playing for a chance to go and play for a national championship, and it's that simple. You have to go out. You have to go to Southern California, beat USC in their place, which, Jimmy, you said isn't easy because that's just not how rivalry games work. Even if USC is having a down year and Notre Dame is undefeated, wild things happen. We see it all over. But I think you're absolutely right. The offense this year is so much different than the year that they went to the national championship game because of the offense. I mean, when you have Everett Golson leading your team out, it's a lot different than it is right now with Ian Book. And this offense looks explosive and incredibly dangerous. Ian Book is fantastic. He was really good Saturday. He's been really good all year. And it's what we we have seen from Notre Dame ever since they made the switch after that game against Vanderbilt where they decided we're not going to roll with Brandon Wimbush anymore, and it's about what I expected. I don't know that I'm hugely impressed. I'm not going to lie. Uh, this is sort of what we expected. Ian Book has been good, but a win over Syracuse where the backup quarterback sort of comes in, and it's I'm not hugely impressed with them this week. I've been impressed with them for the most part this year. They should beat USC. I just don't view them as being able to compete with Clemson or Alabama. Not that really anybody else can, but I'm not saying that Notre, you know, I'm I'm not of the mindset that Notre Dame can come in there and shock the world when they get to the playoffs. Yeah, cuz I think there's a Alabama's clearly number 1, then there's a gap down to 2, then I think there is a gap down to 3. Personally, I actually think Michigan's still playing better than Notre Dame, although they really impressed me this week because granted, it depends how much you expect out of Syracuse, I think. But, man, that defense looked incredible against Syracuse. So that was a great win for Notre Dame. And now we move into this week. There's a couple big ones this week. Let's start, and I want to make sure we get into this. Michigan-Ohio State, probably, you can make the argument, de facto Big Ten title game. Let's start with last week because, my God, did Ohio State look terrible in that game against Maryland. Oh, my God. They should have lost. Matt, you came in when we were talking before the show. You called it the bad decisions bowl. Ohio State wins 52-51, but really, they probably should not have won that game. Yeah, no, it was absolutely the, the – you'd be dubbed it the bad decision bowl because have any two schools have had worse PR years than Ohio State or Maryland? Uh, Penn State would probably like a word, but other than that, probably no. Yeah, well, other than that, obviously, but – God, you're right. They did not deserve to win that game. I watched that entire game, and I just did not see anything out of Ohio State that said, 
hey, we actually want to win this game. I think they won it because, I mean, obviously they're better than Maryland and they knew they had to win. But it looked like they were doing everything possible to lose that game. I mean, they couldn't stop anything on defense. And I know we've been talking about it ever since the news came out that Nick Bosa was not going to come back to school. And we've kind of been predicting the end of this Ohio State defense and how they can't stop the run or anything. And we saw that come to a head on Saturday where Maryland was running up and down the field on them, and there was just nothing that Ohio State could do to slow them down. I think this might actually help Nick Bosa's draft stock a little bit. Maybe that's what he was looking for when he decided he was done. But I, I'm in total agreement with that their defense looks terrible. They couldn't stop anybody, and it's funny because Urban Meyer, I believe it was a year ago, was, I forget who he was criticizing, but long story short, he was critical of, of a coach saying that, oh, Maryland put up 51 points on you. <laughs> and then a year later... Urban Meyer's squad gives up 51 points to Maryland. Now, their defense, I I don't know what's left. I think Nick Bosa is an elite talent. He is really, really good. I would expect him to go first overall. And I think there's not much to make of this other than he's really good and he did a lot for them in keeping their defense not great but respectable. And he's gone. They don't have anybody to replace him. And there's really not a lot left because the pressure isn't there. The run support isn't there. So you give up 51 points to Maryland. And and let me just say, because I'm not going to say anything about the defense that you guys haven't already touched on because I agree with all of it. Urban Meyer on that sideline on Saturday, I don't know exactly <laughs> what to make of it, but he looked like his head was going to explode. I mean, I know he has the cyst in his brain that he had operated on or he's getting medication for for the past, like, three or four years. But, man, I mean, he was he looked like he was in pain. And I, there's serious speculation now I was reading this morning that maybe, maybe he's gone after the year and maybe they have to go to one of the assistants. And, I mean, this Ohio State program, you feel like Saturday, this game against Michigan, I don't mean to sound fatalistic here, this kind of feels like the last stand. You know, Jimmy, you say that, and I think it's the last stand for both guys really? on the wow. sideline, both head coaches. Because I've been banging the drum that John, not, uh, Jim Harbaugh hasn't done anything in his tenure at Michigan to say that he actually deserves to keep his job. Um, he hasn't beaten Ohio State, hasn't won a Big Ten, uh, Big Ten championship, hasn't been to the playoff, hasn't won a national championship. What has he done to, to keep his job? So I think this weekend is massive for both head coaches. I agree with you. Just to clarify my earlier comments, it was last year he was talking about Urban Meyer. This is about his former assistant, Tom Herman, when Texas gave up 51 points. Oh, there's Tom Herman again. Yes, I don't mean to name drop. He probably doesn't deserve to have his name mentioned. But, hey, whatever. There there you go. There's your plug, Texas. Are they back? Are they back? Can we just put that out there? I'm not sure. Don't think so. No, we'll wait another I don't year. Don't, I, Come not, back to me in September. Anyway, Nick, go ahead. We're not talking about him. I'm sorry, Nick, go ahead. So that was just that. I don't know. I, I I have a hard time believing that either school would move on from its head coach. Now, whether Urban Meyer decides he's done and can't handle it anymore with the health issues, I suppose that's a reasonable issue. 
and maybe he'll come to that decision. I'm not going to speculate on that, uh, but I don't expect either one of them to be gone. Look, Jim Harbaugh hasn't been great, hasn't been what they anticipated when he got the job at Michigan, but this is the best season that they've had. So I think they are trending in the right direction. They're finally getting – they finally got the quarterback in place who's allowing them to play good football. And I think when he's gotten the good quarterback, he's coached well. So I think they're getting there. And I always go back to when talking about does he deserve to keep his job or not, and maybe that's a fair argument. But it's about who comes in and replaces Jim Harbaugh, and I don't see a ton of – really quality candidates out there who are going to do a better job than Jim Harbaugh. So to me, what's the point of getting rid of him when you're not going to replace him with somebody who's going to be better? Yeah, and one of them came off the board, and we'll talk about that in a little bit with Les Miles going to Kansas. We'll touch on that a little later. So I think now that we've talked about that, let's go around. Matt, I'll start with you. Michigan, Ohio State on Saturday. Who you got? I think it's Michigan. Um they're 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 in better form right now. They're just going out smacking everyone. And these last few weeks, Ohio State has just not looked convincing. Um, their offense. I mean, granted, they scored fifty-two points to fifty-something points. It might have been fifty-two. I don't remember exactly to beat Maryland. It was fifty-two. But it's Maryland. Yeah. You, yeah. You shouldn't need to score that many points to beat Maryland. Uh, Michigan's defense is very good. And I think that this offense is going to have a lot of problems against Michigan's defense. And on the other side of the ball, uh, I think Michigan is going to run all over Ohio State. I don't. I. It's a rivalry game, so I'm not inclined to call it a blowout, especially because it's at the horseshoe, and anything can happen. But I, I, I think Michigan's going to win. And in my my head says that it's going to be a blowout, but I, it's probably going to be closer than I think it is. Things have gone wrong for Ohio State for a majority of this year in a lot of ways and for a lot of reasons. And I'm not going to pick them to win this game, but I think this game can be extremely close, and I think Ohio State can win. It's at home for them, which I think makes a big difference. And 100,000 fans at the Horseshoe can make a team that's relatively inexperienced, especially Shea Patterson. He's been some in in some hostile environments, but this is different. This is the first game he's played, Ohio State-Michigan. Michigan's the better team. They've played well. They've played better of late, and they've played well recently. So I'm not going to sit here and say, yes, let's pick Ohio State to beat them because they've just been a mess. But I I think Ohio State can win, and I think the game is going to be closer than a lot of people give it credit for. So this game reminds me a lot of the 2016 game where Michigan came in ranked in the top four. I think both teams are actually ranked in the top four, if I'm not mistaken. And Michigan was better, probably deserved to win. Wilton Spate did his very best to give it right back. Ultimately, he did. And Ohio State, of course, it comes down to that fourth down play with JT Barrett in double overtime where he gets stopped right at the line, and they give him the first down. Oh, man. I'm going to take Michigan. Yeah, I'm going to take Michigan. I think it's going to be really close. I could see this one going either way. I think that run game for Michigan and the defense is really going to make the difference. I I think it comes down to the last possession because it's Michigan-Ohio State, and that's what happens. But like you said, Nick, I think it being in the horseshoe, big difference for them. But, man, this this is the best Michigan team Jim Harbaugh has had 
And I think if there's a year for them to, to, I guess, break the code and go to the playoff, this is the one because you got Shea Patterson and you've got an outstanding defense. And I think this is the year they finally break through. Just one last note on that game. Noon game on Fox, and there is no one on earth I would rather have on the call of this game than the one, the only Mr. Gus Johnson. Oh, that's perfect. And yes, that, and that absolutely. Is, that, is, that is the only note I will leave on that. So I think it's going to be close, but I think Michigan does get that victory. There's also some other interesting games this weekend. We were talking about Oklahoma-West Virginia uh, before the show. That's an interesting game. West Virginia actually lost last week to Oklahoma State, which – that's a rough loss. Yeah, that that eliminated them from the playoffs. Yeah, they really let themselves down. Yeah, that's that's just bad. That's you can't do that. Um, but they are hosting OU. That's a big game for the Big Twelve. Uh, they had best be rooting for Oklahoma in that one because they're the that conference's best shot at the playoffs. So Nick, I guess I'll start with you on this one. What are your thoughts heading into that game? Really, a big one for both sides. Well, if you like offense, you're going to be entertained. Oh yeah. So I'm looking forward to this one, and it's about the quarterback play. It's like the NFL for a change, right? Two great quarterbacks, Kyler Murray and Will Greer. So I'm excited to see how that one goes down. Oklahoma's defense has been really, really bad, and I guess it's the Big 12, so I don't know if I'm surprised. But 40 points to Kansas last week is troubling. That's bad. And troubling may not be the strong enough word, but I'll leave it at troubling. So we'll see. I would expect Oklahoma to take care of business. They're really good. I think they have the coaching advantage. Again, I think extremely highly of Lincoln Riley and what they have going on down there in Norman. But, again, anything can happen, and Will Greer is as good as they come on the other other side. But I think it's Oklahoma who's going to win because they've been been the best in in the Big 12 all year, and I don't expect that to change. Matt? Um, I think West Virginia is going to come out motivated, especially because it is a home game. It is Oklahoma coming off a loss. Um, I just, I just don't see a way for them to win this game. I think that they have some problems defensively that they're not going to be able to work out in this week of practice leading up to the Oklahoma game. And I just think Tyler Murray is. It's a shame that he's playing in the same season that Tua Tagovailoa is playing, or else he'd be a runaway Heisman winner right now. But I, I think I think Oklahoma is going to get get the job done, and like you said, they they need some help, but they might still be considered in a playoff spot. Maybe I don't know. All right, I'm going to be that one guy. I'm going to take West Virginia in this one. I think it could go either way. It's going to be a shootout. We know that. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma's defense was awful last week against Kansas. You shouldn't give up forty to Kansas ever. Uh, Rutgers did it, but you know they're that's Rutgers. Yeah, yeah it's Rutgers. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that was a bad game last. Uh, probably a look ahead game, so I don't want to look too deep into it. But their defense has issues. It's what killed them against Texas. I'm gonna have Oklahoma losing by the same score they lost to Texas, 48-45. I think West Virginia comes out of there with the victory, and the Big 12 is out of the playoff. And I think now you're huh. down to I think now you're down to five teams. Where you look at Bama, Georgia, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Michigan. Those five, you go for four spots, and then if Georgia beats Alabama, then then all hell breaks loose, which I don't think is going to happen. But these things always have a way of working themselves out. I don't think it's going to be any different this year. I think West Virginia, and I'm not picking them for that reason. I think their offense is amazing. 
I think Will Greer is going to carry them in this game. He's going to I think he's going to go off personally. And I think I don't think he's going to outplay Kyler Murray necessarily. I just think it's going to come down to whoever has the ball last and I'm going to bet on West Virginia in that regard. So, I'm going to go I'm going to take the Mountaineers. I think that Oklahoma needs a win for sure to keep their playoff hopes alive, but I think they also need Ohio State to beat Michigan. Sure, definitely. I don't think that there's any way that they would get in otherwise, and and that goes for any result in the SEC championship game. If Georgia were to beat Alabama down the line, I think I think that's that's the only shot. It's a win, and they need Ohio State amid all of their issues to come out with a win against Michigan. Yeah, because I think even if Ohio State wins out, I'm not putting them in the playoff. Like, not with the way they've Absolutely played. Absolutely not. No, not with the way they've played. I'm not taking a moral stance here with everything that's happened. I'm saying legitimately the way they have played over the last month or so, they're not even close to being a playoff caliber team. Can you, can you imagine no, if, they're, if they're in the four spot and they've got to play Alabama? You know how bad that game's going to be? Like, no, they don't. And there, yeah, go ahead, There man. are better teams still in front of them. I mean, Oh, sure. I mean, God forbid Georgia beats Alabama and we have to get into that situation. And one of those two teams are still better than Ohio State. Um, Oklahoma is better than Ohio State. I don't I mean. Wazoo. Wazoo is better than Ohio should State. We, should we talk about UCF being better than UCF Ohio is State? better than Ohio State. No. You're not a big UCF uh, guy, Nick? Walk out that door. Turn I, around. I do have no, I'm just kidding. I don't know if I'm going to say that UCF is better than Ohio State. Maybe they are. Maybe they are. I got a problem with Mackenzie Milton saying that. Yeah, I was going to say. can't say that Notre Dame is better than UCF. That, I, have a, I have a problem with that. Yeah, they probably are. <laughs> yeah, they probably are. Well, people can say it, and they do, actually. So, Mackenzie Milton, you can say whatever you want, but people are going to say whatever they want to. Hey, speaking of uh, who's better than who, Nick, you and I were, were talking before the show. You had an interesting note about Clemson because Clemson's a team that doesn't get enough love on this show because mm-hmm. we were, were so wrapped up in Alabama, and this Clemson team has been playing awesome over the past month, month and a half, really. And you said you watched their game last week, and uh, you had some interesting stuff on them, so go ahead. Well, I thought they were exceptional, as they have been all year, and we'd be talking about them a lot more if we weren't busy talking about Alabama. They won 35-6 to against Duke this past week and were extremely impressive, and so impressive that the coach of Duke, David Cutcliffe, who, if memory serves, was the head coach of Tennessee when Peyton Manning was there, was the head coach of Ole Miss. When Eli Manning was was there, he's a pretty well-respected football mind and, and one of the better college coaches in, in the entire country, I would say, said that this was the most impressive Clemson team that he has seen since he's been at Duke. That includes 2016. That includes 2015. 2015 last year. I mean, everybody. And if that's the praise that Clemson is getting from him, then maybe they do have a shot to knock off Alabama at some point because I'm impressed. I think that Dabo Sweeney made the season-saving move and the absolute right move to go to Trevor Lawrence. I think Kelly Bryant had limitations, especially in the passing game. Trevor Lawrence can really air it out, throw the football, and they have a shot. I'm not saying, again, that I'd pick them to beat Alabama, but they they have a shot. The spread would right now be about eight and a half, and I could see it. Clemson's got a really good front seven, and they've got the quarterback. Alabama's got the offense and the quarterback, but 
the defense is not as strong as it has been in the past. So I just want to throw that out there that Clemson's got a shot, that they're no joke. And we talk about canceling the show. We were hearing earlier, why do we even do this? Alabama's going to win. I don't know. I don't know. Clemson's got a shot. They're a good team. I like Clemson, and I, I was banging their drum a lot last year, and because for exactly that reason, their front seven is amazing, and they're going to have a lot of first-round draft picks out of that defensive line. At least that's what I think should happen. But um, I don't know. I think that the gap between Alabama and Clemson is a lot closer than people want to admit because of the running storyline of Alabama being the best team in the country and nobody can stop them. But I, I think I'm with you. I think the gap is closer than people realize. Um, Trevor Lawrence is an absolute stud. He's probably going to be in race next year and then probably again the year after that. Um, but if the season ended now and they were playing in the national championship game, I don't know. I think I would still have to go with Alabama. I just think that they are that good and that transcendent of a team that I don't think anyone can stop them. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with that with Alabama winning, but let me just read off the last six games for Clemson. Wake Forest win 63-3 to versus NC State win 41-7. At the team from Tallahassee win 59-10. to At the team that, uh, against the team that Bobby Petrino used to coach, 77-16. That game got Bobby <laughs> Petrino fired. At number 17, Boston College, a place where game day was that night. 27 to 7 victory and this week against Duke who's a good team by the way they 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 could get to 8 and 4 this week win 35 to 6 now they've got two more games they've got South Carolina this week which should be a win and then they they have the stiff competition and by the way good for Pittsburgh they will be playing Pittsburgh in the ACC title game oh dear i have yeah. no idea what to make of that but good for Pittsburgh Pat Narduzzi having a heck of a season out there. So we are going to give Clemson some respect. I still think if they play Alabama, I think Alabama wins. I don't know if it's a blowout, but I also don't think it's coming down to the last possession either. I think Alabama would win that game kind of easily, but not maybe not as spread out on the scoreboard, if that makes sense. It makes sense. I'd love to see it. Oh, I would too. <laughs> I would I'm too. excited. And I, I, think think that's, I think it's the way it's going to happen. I think that's I think where that's we're headed. Yeah, that's what I was going to say because – Look, Notre Dame, much love to all the Irish fans out there, Michigan, Georgia, Oklahoma, Ohio State, whoever's there, they are not on the level of Alabama, nor are they on the level of Clemson. Well, you know, fun fact, I picked Clemson before the season to win the national title, and I can still take credit for it if they win. So, you know, I could rescind everything I've said to this point, but I don't think it's going to happen. Well, I wasn't here to make a preseason prediction, so I don't know. <laughs> well, 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 what was your preseason prediction? Well, I didn't have one. Nobody okay. asked me. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome into the show, Nick. Uh, so, couple I more. I guess I'll th- say Alabama. All right, yes. Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> so, got a few minutes left here. Couple things we can get into uh, in the time we have remaining. Matt, I'll start with you on this one. Kansas has a new head football coach, and the Mad Hatter is back. I can't tell you how happy I am about this. Les Miles is back at Kansas this time. Uh, he is taking over a program that has been, in the last 10 years, awful. Horrible and awful. Horror awful, if you want to say it that way. Charles Barkley. Yeah, that's it's horror awful. But uh, huh. they, they've been terrible since, really since the end of Mark Mangino. 
Uh, I was actually going back. I was watching a video the other day, and it was the 2007 college football season, and they showed the Big Ten, uh, the Big Twelve title game. One, it was a culture shock because it was Missouri and Kansas. It was actually the last game of the season. Missouri was ranked fourth. Kansas was ranked second, and that shows you that a lot can change in 11 years. So Kansas, wow. Kansas would have been in the BCS title game if they won two more games that year. But anyway, that that was Whoa. the last time Kansas was good. Uh, that that's a little scary to talk about, but anyway, Les Miles takes over. Matt, I'll get your thoughts to start. The Mad Hatter is back. I mean, what can you say? Les Miles has the biggest job of his life ahead of him. He has so much work to do to turn this program around. I mean, you were talking about before the show, they lost a record amount of consecutive games. They're, they haven't won more than three games in 10 years. And the program is just in disarray. Shout out to Charlie Weiss for starting that process. Great Notre Dame coach. Not a good head coach, but uh, I'm happy for him. I've been wanting him to get a job for a long time, and I'm surprised that this is the one he took because there will, there will probably be better jobs open at the end of this season that he probably could have taken. But I like that he's challenging himself because he has a whole heck of a lot of work to do. He basically needs to build – an entire program up from nothing. So, I mean, we're probably not going to see the dividends of it next year, but three, four years down the road, Kansas might be a respectable team again. At the same time, I think one of the benefits for Les Miles in taking this job is that he's bought himself some time. Oh, sure, 100%. So, again, it was rough at the end for him at LSU, a lot of question about whether he's going to keep his job for the last couple of years. Results were still pretty good up until 2016, 2015, nine and three, but three losses in the conference. But he's he's really got a very good resume, especially at LSU, a BCS national championship in 2007. So he's really accomplished, and we'll see. Kansas is a tall order. They have been really bad for a long time. They might just be the Cleveland Browns of college football. It's close. I don't know who else you'd peg there, but they're they're bad. They're bad, Kansas. So we'll see. And I – I don't know. I wish him well. He's a good he's a good coach. I'm happy they're going to start eating grass in Kansas. (laughs) I'm looking forward to that. And we'll see. He's been he's been good and he's turned places around everywhere he's been at Oklahoma State as a head coach and at LSU. So I have no reason to expect he can't do it at Kansas as well. Yeah, Kansas, like you said, really bad. And and it's going to be a long rebuild for him there. David Beatty, the coach there, has left them so much better than when he found them because they were awful. He took over. I don't think he took over straight from Turner Gill. I have to look up who their uh, last head coach was before David Beatty, but it was – it was a bad situation. Like they were, they were in total disarray. Not that they aren't right now, but I mean, David Beatty did yeoman's work just to get this team to where they are right now. Well, and that's even then, int- they're really not good. Clint Bowen was the interim coach, and then it was Charlie Weiss uh, before him from 2012 to 14. So, look, I think it's a decent move for Kansas. It's so crazy it might work. Mm-hmm. I think. For mad, less, you might say. Yeah, mad, yeah, it is mad. <laughs> I think for for him, I if I was him, I would have waited to see what happens at USC because that would have been such a better job 
for him where you oh, come yeah. in. Yeah, because I, I think there's a real shot they fire Clay Helton at the end of the too. season because of, of what's happened this year because they are, they're pretty bad this year. And I think there's probably a couple other jobs that might have been better for him. But I think, look, it's crazy. It might work. It might not work. But I like Kansas taking the risk because everything else they've done has not worked. And now you go here and you say, all right, we're going to bring in the big guns, and Les Miles is a really big gun. So we'll see what happens there. Quickly, we've got about two or three minutes left. Let's go around. Matt, I'll start with you. The Ed Oliver stuff on Thursday night, that was the day after you guys recorded last week's episode. There was a fight over a jacket on the sideline with Major Applewhite. Uh, Matt, just quickly, what would you think of that? It was just so weird because you if you look at it in a vacuum, and it's a head coach asking one of his players to take off a jacket that he's using to keep him warm. And you're like, wow, that coach should probably lose his job because he doesn't care about his players or about the well-being of his players. But then you dive deeper and you find out that it's a, it's a team rule from the uh, from the sports equipment staff that's, that says the jackets can only be worn by the players actually playing. And, uh, and Ed Oliver sat out because he was quote-unquote hurt, which a lot of people were debating and – People are just suspecting that he's trying to sit out and save himself for the draft because he already declared at the end of last year. And it's just, it's just so weird. I mean, a lot of people are saying that the coach should have taken him to the side and not made a big deal out of it. And then Ed Oliver goes off on the coach on the field and makes it very public. Just a very strange situation. Major Applewhite needs to be better. And I think Ed Oliver, for him, is a blessing because it helps – his program looked better. People now look at University of Houston and say, hey, I could be a top five draft pick if I go to the University of Houston. And those types of players play at University of Houston. But he needs to be better. I don't know. I don't understand the timing of the whole thing. We're going out to halftime. Take, tell him to take off the jacket in, in the locker room and tell him if he doesn't, then – you don't come out for the second half. Yeah, but I'm, the whole thing yeah. is completely ridiculous. It makes your your program look silly. I don't know who's breaking down the door to play for Major Apple White right Apple right right I, now. Yeah, it, it's tough to say, but guys, great job today. I'll just throw in my two cents. It's really stupid. Uh, it's yes. really really stupid. <laughs> um, but guys, great work. Can I get one more thing in? Yeah, quickly. University of Buffalo football, a win against Bowling Green clinches them the Mac East title. And we will be looking for that. On Tuesday night action this week, I believe, correct? No, I think it's on Saturday. Saturday, even better. Oh, see, they've reached the big time. Go right. Bulls, ESPNU, <laughs> baby, let's go. Hey, we didn't, I, we didn't get to talk about Wisconsin beating Purdue in three overtimes, but that's okay. Guys, great work this week. I think this is the week we finally get to 35 minutes. That is neither here nor there. Awesome show this week, boys. We'll come back next week. We've got to, we're gonna have a lot to talk about. Great show today. Thank you for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week.